My name's Lee Foster. You're listening to Action, a podcast dedicated to the pursuit of acting excellence. This podcast is brought to you by The 5-Minute Journal, which is the simplest, most effective thing you can do every day to be happier. The link to get one is in the description. Hey, Lee. My name is Gurpreet Serene, and I am from the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. Uh, first off, I want to thank you for creating the podcast. It's, uh, I just discovered it a few weeks ago, and it's an amazing tool uh, to listen to and learn from the guest speakers and also to learn from your own experiences as well. Uh, in fact, I just purchased Notes to an Actor by Ron Roscoe, and uh, I can't wait to read it. Uh, I feel like there will be some great tools in there to help me on my journey. And I started writing my goals down and listing ways to achieve them every night. Um, a little bit about myself. So I'm 25 years old, and uh, I know that can be considered a bit young to enter the industry. But again, it's encouraging to know that you are actively working to achieve success, and your passion has uh, certainly inspired me. Um, I was a top 40 semifinalist on American Idol in 2013. And since then, uh, my passion for acting, modeling, singing, uh, and entertainment as a whole has increased a lot. And, uh, and I gained experience in front of the camera. I did network interviews, some modeling, singing lessons, and I recently attended a casting director workshop and um, completed an improv class. Um, my question for you is uh, uh, more about you know, since you started, uh, I think, around the age of 26, um, did you decide to get a degree uh, at a university? How did you actually uh, decide to further uh, your acting lessons? Um, I was looking at a film academy when I was up in New York a few weeks ago. And it's quite expensive, and I'm not sure if it's worth spending all of that money uh, to get a degree in acting. Uh, and I did some research online, and um, some of the research suggests that it's not worth getting a degree if it's not from a prestigious university. Uh, but since I'm starting off and don't have that much experience, um, it's one of those, like the circle of, of life where you need a job to get a job, but you can't get a job if you don't have a job sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, long long story short, uh, did you did you actually get uh, acting lessons when you started off? Uh, and did you get a degree at a university? Uh, thank you so much once again. I look forward to you choosing my question. And uh, I'm a big fan of your podcast. Thank you so much once again. And uh, take care. Gurpreet, it's a great question. If any of you in the audience have a question you'd like me or one of the teachers to answer on an upcoming episode, call 206-424-9368 and leave a message on the podcast voicemail. All right, so you're 25 years old, you were a semi-finalist on American Idol, and now you are serious about getting into the acting business. You purchased Ron Morosco's book, Notes to an Actor, you've completed an improv class, and you attended a casting director workshop. Those are three really good things to start with. Good job. So awesome. So the question is basically, what are my thoughts on getting a college acting degree, and do I have one? The answer is no, I don't have one. I do have a college degree, but it's not in acting. I found out that I wanted to pursue acting about a year or two after I graduated from college, and that's when I took my first acting class. It was a community ed class. It was like 30 bucks for like four or six classes, something ridiculously cheap like that. But it was a start, and that was my first experience acting ever. I'd never had any experience, uh, never acted in a play, never acted in a film, nothing. Uh, that was the very first time I ever did it. After that, I started taking some other classes and I began to realize more and more that acting is what I wanted to do as a career. And at the same time this was happening, I started to feel more and more insecure that I didn't have a degree in theater. 
and I spent a lot of time wishing I had one. And I kept meeting people who had these BFAs in theater, and I would think there is no way I can compete with these people. There's no way in hell. And there's also no way in hell that I'm going to go back to school. I was done with school. I was not going to go back and get another degree. So the way I solved this was that I created what I called a self-directed curriculum program. It was like a real-world acting degree. So what I did was I figured out how many class hours and how much after-school homework time makes up a typical credit in any typical college, okay? What's the definition? One credit is one hour in class per week plus two to three hours of study time per week. So a typical college course, uh, let's say it's three credits, that would mean that they meet once a week for three hours and then you are expected to do like six to nine hours uh, of work on that class per week outside of class. Or they meet three times for one hour. Okay, so then I figured out uh, how many total credits make up a theater degree and that was my goal. So each year... I, I would create a goal of uh, completing a certain number of credits until I completed my, quote, degree. I said that a credit could be obtained through reading acting books or taking classes. And this worked incredibly well for these reasons. Number one, it cost me a fraction of the price that it would cost to go get a degree at a, like a typical college, probably a tenth the price or less, maybe a fifth. Uh, number two, if you get an acting degree in college, what they're going to teach you is theater. They teach none or very little TV, film, and commercials now. I think that'll change eventually. They'll probably move more and more toward doing that. But I know that now it's very little TV and film and commercial technique. And although it's pretty uncommon to make a living as an actor in TV, film, and commercials, it is far, far harder to do it in theater alone. Uh, you said you were looking at a film academy. Um, I'm assuming that's different than like a typical theater college, um, but I don't know much about that. What I'm talking about is uh, going and getting a degree in theater from a typical university or college. Number three, I was able to tailor the curriculum as I went based on where I knew I needed it. So for instance, if I decided that I wanted to up my callback percentage on commercials, I would concentrate on commercial classes for six months or something. Number four, and probably the most important thing, is that I was able to actually go to auditions and do jobs and be represented by agencies while I was, quote, in school because my classes were once or twice a week and they were always at night. People come and ask me for advice a lot when they're about to go into an acting program in a college. And the only advice I can give them is come back and talk to me in four years. There's nothing I can say because uh, let's say that they do go into an agency and they audition and the agent says uh, that they want to represent them. And they're able to convince that agent that even though they are a full-time student getting a college degree, that they will still be able to go to the auditions, that they're going to get called in for last minute. They're going to get called for an audition at 6 p.m. and their audition is going to be at 11 a.m. the next day and they have three pages of sides to memorize. They convince the agent and themselves that they're going to do it even though this is going to fall when you have finals or when you have a paper due or when you need to be starting for a test that's the next day. It just doesn't work. It just really doesn't work. I was on a shoot yesterday with a girl who was in college and she was telling me how hard it is uh, to go to auditions and do jobs. She has to turn them down constantly. And that is not a good thing to do. I had an ex-girlfriend who 
she started acting and modeling. I gave her some advice and she she told me she wanted to. So I introduced uh, her to my agents. This is back when I was in Minnesota and she was in school and all the agents said, yeah, let's, yeah, let's, let's, uh, we'd love to represent you. And she found out really quickly that she couldn't go to the castings. And she, even if uh, somebody wanted to book her directly from her pictures, um, she wouldn't be able to do the job because she'd have class that day. And you can't just miss class whenever you want. I mean, you can, but then don't be in college. And eventually she had to just go to all her agents and say, I'm sorry, but I, I can't do this. Uh, I'll come back to you in a couple of years. And that's not a very, it's not a good thing to do. I mean, the casting directors don't like it when you say over and over again, yeah, I'm not available, I'm not available. They'll just assume you're not available and they'll stop calling you. And then two years down the road when you actually are, are available, they're probably not going to be as likely to uh, give you a second shot. So here's some of the classes I took. Film and TV classes, commercial classes, improv classes, voiceover classes, scene study classes, Meisner classes, casting director workshops, teleprompter classes, earprompter classes, hosting classes, theater classes, movement classes, private coaching lessons, monologue classes, the list goes on. You can see why creating the curriculum on your own is much more beneficial than going and getting a bunch of training for theater, stage acting, and then maybe the odd commercial technique class as an elective once a year. I'm not going to tell you the whole list of books that I've read because I've read most of them ever written on acting, um, including all the Stanislavski books. And I think this is uh, probably sacrilegious to say, but I don't think I learned anything from those. So I wouldn't waste your time. Here's a few that I do recommend. As always, Ron Morosco's Notes to an Actor. And I want to make something clear. I don't say that this is a great book on acting because Ron Morosco was on the podcast. Ron Morosco was on the podcast because it's a great book on acting. That's the reason. Another one is Uta Hagen's Respect for Acting. And then another one for actors in Chicago or people who are thinking about moving to Chicago is Acting in Chicago by Chris Agos. It's just a very concise book on how to make money acting in Chicago. And uh, Chris Agos is a local guy, and he works a ton. He works in voiceover and industrials and TV and uh, commercials. I think I think he's actually going to be in uh, a few of the episodes of Chicago Fire that I'm in. I'm uh, not sure about that, but I think he is. Notes to an Actor and Respect for Acting are available on Audible. If you go to uh, my link, which is audibletrial.com slash actionpodcast, you can download it for free. All right, so a word on picking classes and books. First of all, when it comes to acting teachers, the most important word to remember is credentials. If you were going to take a private lesson from a guy on car maintenance and he pulls up in some old piece of shit with the muffler bouncing against the ground and the bumper hanging off, you would wonder if the advice was sound. Am I correct? Well, then why would you listen to acting advice from someone who doesn't have a thriving acting career? Remember the old phrase, if you can't do, teach. So I found myself in a number of classes that are being taught by teachers who tried to have an acting career and it didn't happen for them for one reason or another. A lot of times they're nice and they just don't have good advice. But a lot of times they're angry and they're jaded and they're often over the top critical of students and their performances. They seem to take pleasure in embarrassing students. Um, They're just downright mean. This is the worst kind of teacher. 
And there are a lot of them. And being in a class like that will be toxic for you and your career. I mean, do you think that they want you to succeed where they failed? Think again. Thankfully, I learned to recognize this kind of teacher early in my studies. And since then, I have stood up mid-class and walked out of not one, but two classes, never to return. No explanation. I just got up and I left. And if you find yourself in one of these classes, I suggest you do the same. Now, about books. There are some great acting books out there, but there's also a lot of shit. Here's the rule that I use when it comes to books. If the principles in the book don't make sense to me after a couple chapters, I toss it in the garbage. If the book tries to sum up acting with phrases like, acting is just two souls intertwining themselves through the ether of the universe, I toss it in the garbage. If the author sounds like one of the acting teachers I just described, I light the book on fire, I pull my pants down, I take my dick out, and I piss on the flames. And then I throw it in the garbage. Pardon my language on this, but I need you to hear me on this. Beware of negative people in this industry. They are everywhere. Now, for some reason, the general population thinks that people who make it in this industry made it out of sheer luck, that they were plucked from a crowd in, in, while walking down the street in Hollywood uh, by a big-time producer or director, and the person said, you're going to be the next big star. Let me explain to you why that doesn't work. The biggest casting house in uh, Chicago, when they have a role that they need to cast for one episode of a TV show, we call these roles day player or under fives, meaning under five lines. Okay, so it's like the receptionist going, uh, he's over there, doctor. That's a day player, right? So to get one of those auditions, um, when one of those roles is submitted to uh, the agencies in town, all the agencies submit all the people who they think could possibly book that role. And then the casting directors will receive all these submissions. And it's uh, 300 to 500 submissions or more per one role, okay? And out of all those hundreds of submissions, they pick five to audition. Now, they need to be fucking sure that you're going to come in and you're going to be prepared and you're going to do a good job because they're not going to waste a spot on auditioning someone who they don't know is, is going to do a good job. They might bring you in on something where they're auditioning uh, 100 or 200 other people, and then you'll get a note taken on you if you're good. And then maybe, maybe, maybe you, you'll get called, called in for an audition. But a casting director once told me that if you get called in for an audition, it's time to celebrate. Like that's the time to celebrate, not once you book it, because the vast majority of people are not getting auditions. So let's say uh, we'll make up somebody, uh, Mike, okay? Let's say he takes one acting class or he, uh, he acts in a, um, two student films in uh, Georgia, and then he decides that he's going to go to Hollywood to be an actor because that's where all the actors are. True. It's true. I mean, that's where that's the, the central hub. No doubt about it. So he decides that if he's going to be an actor, he's got to be in Hollywood. So he's going to go there and he's going to get lucky. I mean, it's it's a lottery thing, right? So he goes there and let's say that out of supreme luck, Mike's walking down the street and a casting director needs to cast some role. And for some reason, they couldn't find five people that they wanted to bring in out of all the hundreds of people who were submitted by agencies. But they go, yeah, 
hey, excuse me, sir, uh, you have curly hair and you're the right height for this role. I'd really like you to audition. And Mike goes, yes, this is my chance. And he goes in. They, they go, okay, uh, slate and say your name. Hopefully Mike knows what a slate is because he might not. But uh, let's hope he does. And then he does the audition. Immediately the casting director would say, okay, he's super green. I can't send this, uh, I can't send this audition to the producer and the director. And it's fine. You know, she or he, whoever the casting director is, uh, wasted a few minutes of their time, but that's fine, whatever. So that, that doesn't get sent out, okay? For that to happen, that, that, that would take an astronomical amount of luck on Mike's part to get that audition. But let's say that this does happen, and Mike auditions, and she goes, okay, yeah, he's green, but, you know, I'm just going to – he's got the perfect look, so I'm going to send it to uh, the producer and the director. The producer and the director, they, they sit down to watch these five auditions – uh, four of them are by people who have auditioned for tons of stuff and have a bunch of credits on IMDb, and then they get to Mike. And uh, and if – I mean they would watch it and they'd go, oh, yeah, he's, he's too green. Yeah, definitely not. Um, he, we, we, we wouldn't want to uh, have him on set. We can't be like babying somebody while we're trying to like shoot a television show where time is money. Okay, so um, so it stops there. Let's say that Mike has this luck, right, that – Keeps going. He's got the momentum, and the the luck just keeps going. So the cat he gets the audition, he gets through uh, the casting director to the the director and the producer. The director and the producer go, all right. Well, you know we're gonna have to baby him on set and everything, but uh, let's put him in front of the uh, the network. Okay. So then they send it off to ABC or or Warner Brothers or NBC, and they say, uh, um, you know, this is Mike. Um, He's green, but uh, we think we think we can work with him. We think we can work with him. Okay, this would never happen, but let's say it does. The network would immediately say, "Hell no, hell no." He has no credits. He has no training. He's never been in anything. We are not going to risk hundreds of thousands of dollars on somebody when we have all these other options to choose from—people who are time tested and approved. Okay, so for all of those things to line up. His luck would have to be astronomical. That just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen like that. People have this notion that the people who make it in this industry are lucky, and it's not the case. Here, I'm going to read you a quote. This is my favorite quote of all time. The heights by great men reached and kept were not attained by sudden flight, but they, while their companions slept, were toiling upward in the night. The people who make it in this industry just like in any other industry, are the people who are working and working and working and training and practicing. And they're finding problems with themselves on skills that they need to develop. And they realize weaknesses and they work on those weaknesses and they develop themselves and they get better and better and better and better. And it takes a long time usually. And they don't complain People in this industry love to complain. They love to complain about the industry. They, they find every reason in the book to blame why they're not booking work. It's because they're, they, they, they blame it on their agent. They blame it on the city. They blame it on the casting directors. They blame it on the networks. They blame it on uh, their skin color. They blame it on anything they possibly can besides themselves. They don't say, what can I do? Why am I not booking work? What is it that I'm doing that's making it so that I'm not booking work? Whenever in my career I've had um, a question like that, I never blame it on anybody else. 
Sometimes I have the inclination to do it, but I immediately stop myself and I say, no. I say, what can I do? What is it that I can do to fix this situation? I'm not booking commercials right now. What can I do? I'm not getting into a casting house here. What can I do? Okay? And then I work at it and I think about it and I problem solve and I fix the problems. I don't complain. Stay away from people who complain. If somebody complains to you about the industry and they're not working, don't listen to their advice. Do the opposite of what they're doing. You'd be much better off. So I get worked up about this stuff just because I see people and they come to me for advice and they ask me like, hey, what should I do? Uh, I'm thinking about going to Hollywood. And then I give them all this advice. I say, you know, I'm going to save you a lot of money. I'm going to save you a lot of time. Um, stay, stay where you are. Uh, try to find some good acting classes. Um, go to some casting workshops. Maybe do some private Skype lessons with a good teacher in uh, in Hollywood or something. Work at it for a few years. Get some get a lot of experience on set doing um, student films. I mean, that's you, you kind of have to start there, I guess. And then try to work your way up. Work your way up. Get some commercials. You know, get practice. Get practice, and then then maybe you have a shot. So, Gupreet, um, I watched some stuff on uh, YouTube of like your American Idol videos. And I'm going to tell you that if you want to make it in this industry, you can. I mean, without question, you have a great look. Uh, you will be very marketable for commercials. You will be right for a lot of TV roles. And above that, you've got a great personality. Uh, you're fun. You're obviously very, very likable. And, and best of all, you've got chutzpah or gumption. You've got the thing that you're not afraid to ask for what you want. And I can tell that you're the kind of person who knows what they want and they know that they're going to get it, but they just don't know how. And that's why you're learning. And that's why you already got in class. And that's why you already took a workshop. And that's why you already bought that book. And that's why you called and asked for my advice. Beyond the look, beyond the personality, that trait alone is why you're going to make it if you want to. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you like this podcast, go to iTunes and give me a rating or review. I'm Lee Foster. Thanks for listening.